This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Here we go. All right, the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report is underway here from Studio B on Airline Drive, the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. And I'm Sean Kelly. Good to have you along here as we uh, make our way through show number two this week. We've got a couple of interesting topics for you, uh, football and basketball on our plate today. We'll continue our NFL Draft Preview Series here today with um, the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up at uh, number five in the uh, NFL draft order as it stands right now. It's uh, Mark Long from the Associated Press to help us talk about the Jaguars and their pick as it stands currently. (laughs) I think we're going to see some more movement. Talk now today that the Browns may be uh, shopping around the uh, number two pick, which, uh, as Mary Kay Cabot told us last week here on this very program, uh, that was a possibility with all the needs that the Browns have. They may draw back a little bit and gain some more picks. Stay tuned for that. And then uh, Jim Eichenhofer makes his final appearance of the season on Black and Blue Report. Jim, our writer with Pelicans.com, will give us his two cents or 45 or however many cents he wants about uh, the season in general. Now that he's had a week to think about things a little bit, he'll also offer up a thought or two about how the uh, playoffs are progressing. It is very early. Um, But I had fun last night. Uh, It was interesting watching Golden State play without Steph Curry. It was awfully interesting watching Toronto even up their series at a game apiece, which I kind of fully expected. And then the surprise uh, with regard to the Dallas Mavericks last night and kind of a crazy finish to that game. But congratulations to the Mavericks who came back from getting throttled in game one to uh, to beat the Thunder at OKC last night by one in, in a should we say a low scoring game? I mean, 85, 84, that's pretty, pretty low scoring. So that series now moves to Dallas. Uh, there's more action tonight in the NBA. As again, these first round games are so spread out in these series. And I know why they do it. It's because they want to get everybody's game on national TV. Uh, but uh, you're seeing these big gaps now in the different series where teams are spending multiple days in the other city uh, between games like, for instance, like coming up, there's like a three-day gap between game two and three in one of the series, if I'm not mistaken, and then another two days between games three and four. So you get the idea. It takes almost a full two weeks to play out that entire seven games in in round one of the NBA playoffs. Uh, On the horse racing front, by the way, I'm really happy for Mr. and Mrs. Benson and GMB Racing. As uh, yesterday, I guess it was, uh, one of the guys in the – one of the guys – one of the horses in the field of 20 uh, had to scratch, drop out, and that allowed Mo Tom to get into the Kentucky Derby. So Mo Tom will join Tom's Ready as two horses now for GMB Racing, officially in the run for the Roses. And I'm equally as happy, by the way, for both trainers, whom we've had on this show before, uh, Dallas Stewart and uh, Tom Amos, uh, as both of those guys just poured their heart and soul into these into these two athletes, these two horses. And so for the for the two of them to get, I guess, rewarded for their efforts and being the Derby together um, is fantastic. So I'm excited for them, no doubt. All right, so a good show for you today. Again, uh, we're going to talk a little NBA with Jim Eichenhofer. And here in just a moment, uh, we'll get you up to speed on the Jacksonville Jaguars as a part of our NFL Draft Preview Series. New Orleans 2016. 
One night. One band. New Orleans, they're back. Guns and Roses, live for one night only. July 31st, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face -face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us, here to build a future with you. Josh Groban. On stage, Friday, July 15th at Bold Sphere Music at Champion Square, featuring songs from his new album, Stages, as well as his classic hits, with very special guest, Sarah McLaughlin. Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or by phone at 1-800-745-3000. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. We haven't had Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com in the Studio B yet for his uh, end-of-season review. So here it is, a Tuesday with Jim. I know normally this is with Daniel, Jim. I hope I'll do today. Hey, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll do fine. Yes, Daniel's here. He's smiling. This is key that I did not put a microphone in front of his face. <laughs> I feel like I'm messing up your Tuesday mojo, you two guys. You guys have done this all season long. It's okay. We can we can go one week with, with a different format. Speaking of a week, you've had a week now to kind of digest the season. Um, how much digestion or indigestion have you had uh, since the end of the regular season for the Pelicans? Um, I mean, it seems like it doesn't seem like it's been a week yet to me. It seems like it, it's been about two days. I don't know. I guess the weekend was was a nice break to kind of get away from it but we're jumping right into the season review articles on the players so you know I, in a way I feel like the season hasn't completely ended for me yet so but it will soon yeah it, it you know the playoffs get you going again and, yeah. and that's been fun we'll talk about that in a moment but um, in talking with the players talking with coach Gentry last week on his radio show you get the sense of incomplete that you know not uh, there's no clear way to evaluate it but yet you almost need to Sure. Am I right? I mean, do you yeah. have to some way put a wrap on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can completely dismiss an entire season. I mean, granted, we never saw a complete team, and I do think the more we look back on last season, the more we think that we they really miss Quincy Pondexter not playing at all the whole season in terms of chemistry and a lot of the stuff that he brought. But at the same time, I think you do have to look at some of the things that happened and, and, and evaluate them. I don't know if you can throw the whole season out, but but um, unfortunately, yeah, it was one of those years where a big chunk of it, do, it doesn't mean a whole lot. So what can and what should we evaluate? Is it a chunk of time? Is it is it some form of analytic that jumps out at you that allows you to say whether or not this team moved forward any? Did it move backward any? Injuries aside. I think the biggest thing is that I think you need to look at the chemistry a little bit. I, I, I felt like throughout the whole season, you know, especially the beginning of the year when it was a real struggle, that I think you need to look at there's there's still I think there's too many guys who need the ball. 
I think that's one thing that that is a, a problem that crops up a lot is that you sometimes when you have all of the main scorers out there, you need more guys that do some of the other things, some of the little things. And then defensively, I mean, it was a struggle for pretty much the whole season. I thought they got better as the year went on, but they still finished in the bottom five, I think, in defensive efficiency. So, I mean, those are a couple of the, of the main things that I think they need to look at during this offseason in, in terms of the decisions they, they're going to make going forward into next year. Is it surprising anyway when you talk about chemistry or the need to, I guess – play nicer together is that where we're going with this it, it does it surprise if that's the case does it surprise you because because of the impact of having the same group carry over from last season yes and no I mean it's I don't know if it really was the same group of guys though and I think the one thing that I keep looking at from last season was that the stretch where they played really well the second half of the season there were a couple guys out there were a couple guys injured and the one thing that I keep looking at in over the course of these last three years that I wonder about is, is this team better when when a guy or two is pulled out of the mix? It seems like if you have everyone they kind of healthy, they kind of step on each other's toes, and it goes back to what I said about how you have guys that need the ball and you have guys who the the number one thing they bring to the court is scoring, and I feel like that that's one thing that you need to look at is is you need to have a better mix of guys as far as like you know, a, a different array of, of different traits and strengths that, that people bring. And I think that's one one part about of these last three years with this core group of guys, the best they played was the last two months of, of the regular season last year, which it, I think the common denominator there was Quincy was playing. And I think I'm – not, I'm not saying it's just him, but I do think that he was a big reason why the mix was better on the court. Also, Norris Cole had probably the best stretch of his career – over those last couple months, so um, I, I guess what I'm what I'm looking at overall is is how how does this team, how does this group of guys, whatever the group actually ends up being next season, how do you get back to that point where you play the way you did in the last part of last season, where you know they were on an upward trajectory, and even though they got swept by Golden State, I think they gave them some very tough games. Game three, they should have won. I hate to even bring that game up again, <laughs> but um, but uh, I think when you look at you look at everything that that's the thing that I'm looking at is how do you get back to that point where they play the way they did and to, to close last season and end up going to the playoffs. I feel like this season in some ways was doomed from the start. And I, and I it, now looking back on it, I think I stuck my head in the sand a little bit about what was it? A one and 11 start. Wasn't it? Yeah. At the time I thought, God, there's so many games. Sure. This can correct itself. You'll have a chance not knowing that the injuries would get worse and worse and worse. But thinking back now, in hindsight, man, it, you were doomed from the start because you were one for eleven, and 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 that hole to get out of was maybe, maybe even if the team had come back fully healthy, you still may not not have been able to correct that. I just, I guess, I I didn't put enough significance on the one and eleven start. Yeah, I mean, it it seemed like it took a long time to get back to being I mean I mean they they dug a hole even further than that I think they were after the the one Lakers loss that I remember in January they were 11 and 25 or 11 and 26 so it took a while to even get back to 10 games under 500 which they started out you know obviously when they went 1 and 11 so I mean yeah there's no doubt that 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 was uh just a terrible omen for the the whole season and 
and it, it was hard to dig out. But on the flip side, you look at the records that it took to get into the playoffs, and you think one of the things that I think is really frustrating about this year when you look at the West is the whole time I've been here, the West has been so good. And this year, the five seed in the West, I think, finished with like 44 or 45 wins, which was Portland. I mean, this was the one year where really you could have had a you could have finished 500 and still been able to make the playoffs and gotten in. So, but yeah, it's the the start that they got off to definitely set the tone for the year, and they never were able to climb out of that that issue. Any conversation we have about the Pelicans should always start with Anthony Davis, correct? Yes. So, what will you take away from Anthony's season? I mean, I thought he I thought he had a really good year. I mean, I think he he started out slow. I think. His shooting was down a little bit this year, um, but uh, but overall, it's funny when you look, go back and look at everything. He really had very similar numbers to last year, but last year the team was so much more successful. So I think the perception of, of him was, was obviously a ton better last year. He made first-team All-NBA, but I don't know if, if he was really if it was really that much different of a season for him when you look at everything overall of the way that he played compared to last year. In your opinion... Did Drew Holiday have the kind of season that makes you say that it's Drew and Anthony and we'll go from there? Um, I think so, but uh, that's a that's a tough one because I think the one thing that I think is interesting about the season that Drew had was if we remember back two years ago, it seemed like everyone said the same thing about Tyreek, that Tyreek played so well when all the other guys were out. So I don't know. I'm not sure – I'm not sure. I, I think though that that uh, those two guys are a great place to start with. I'm not sure if I would say if that, that means discounting some of the other pieces because I think there's a lot of other guys that you can build around here. But but yeah, I mean, he there's no doubt that Drew played really well over the last what was maybe three two three months of the season before yeah. he got hurt again. And, and the injury thing was a freak thing. It wasn't a recurrence of anything that he'd ever had before. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And unless he takes another elbow to the eye socket, this shouldn't pop up again. Yeah, he would hope so. Yeah, I mean, I would the, hope so too. The, the, way, the way the luck is around here, though, uh, I'm going to cross my fingers and hold them behind my back and, and just, you know, hopefully the, the, no, none of this stuff happens again. But No doubt. No doubt. Um, the 10-day contract, guys, I think it gave me a boost, and it was fun watching those guys. For sure fight for their playoff or their NBA futures, I should say. Um, when the season had truly then kind of been lost, we still had something to, to uh, give us interest, mm. I guess, on a nightly basis. Um, and I guess when we talk about the D-League guys, because it was 22 guys and all that wore the uniform this year. Was it? Is it 22? I, I lost I track. I'm pretty sure it's 22. <laughs> but really, the three guys that ended the season with the team, Tim Frazier, uh, Jordan Hamilton and James Ennis are the ones I'm referring to, mm -hmm. I guess. Whether you want to do it individually or as a group, what were your takeaways from what they brought to the table, what they showed in the last three to four weeks? I mean, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more about the fact that the, them being on the team at the end of the season was very refreshing. I felt like with about 20 games left in the season with all the guys that were out and the way the season was heading, it was like, oh, my God, there's 20 games left in the season. This is going to be – painful but I think those guys coming in definitely made me look forward to the games in April and I think that was a that was no small feat considering the situation where the team was definitely out of the race and things were headed in a, a negative direction health-wise and just with the results so but I, I mean I think Tim Frazier showed so much I think he was 
such a great addition. I love the way that the very first game he played against Sacramento, he immediately was finding guys. He immediately looked like he'd played with these guys before, which was something that was really eye-opening, the fact that um, he saw the floor so well. He had to, I remember seeing the video of the game against Brooklyn where he had 13 assists, and it was it was just cool to see the way that he'd set guys up. And I feel like he's exactly the kind of player that – the kind of point guard that you need in the system. So, I mean, he was a, he was a great pickup. James Ennis played really well. He uh, shot threes extremely well. I think he almost almost ended up shooting 50% on threes, which wasn't really like his forte before they picked him up here. He was kind of a low 30s three-point shooter. So I think he has potential to be to be a good pickup and a good NBA player. I mean, he's got a ton of length. He's really big for a wing guy. Um, I think he's 6'8", maybe. Real long. Seems like he gets in the passing lanes a lot, runs the floor well, does a lot of different things on offense. And so, I mean, I thought he did a good, did a really good job, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the rest of his career. Jordan Hamilton, I mean, I think he had his moments. I think he, the one thing about him is he's a, he seems like he's a pretty high volume guy, which I don't know if that's necessarily a great fit for this team, based on some of the things I said earlier about how you have, a, you already have a lot of guys who need the ball and seem to be, you know, take a lot of shots when they're on the court. So, but I mean, you know, I think he's definitely an NBA player as well. Um, he's had good moments throughout his career, and he had a few games where he looked pretty good this year with uh, the Pelicans as well. Any of those three in a Pelicans uniform come October? That's hard to say, but I think I, I'd be I'd be okay with with really all of them being back. I, I want to see them. I'm not sure what the plan is right now, but I'd it'd be cool to see them in summer league this year and see them get you know more uh, more chances to to show what they can do. Tim Frazier played so well that. I don't even know if he if he needs to be in summer league. I mean, he's he he showed a lot while he was on the court against bona fide NBA players. So yeah, the team's gonna look different. There's no doubt. Yeah, but how different? I mean, we get you get two guys that are gonna be free agents this summer. Who knows what will happen with Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon both? Mm-hmm. But aside from that, how different can this roster look? I think that's hard to say because I think one of the things that you have to think about going into this offseason is I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen in free agency league-wide because you have there's never been a situation before where there's 20-something, maybe 30, close to 30 teams that all are going to have a good amount of money to spend. Mm-hmm. But you're also looking at a free agency crop where I don't think there's a ton of guys out there that are available. And also the circumstances now, I think if if there's a guy out there who is a really good player and his team wants to keep him, they're going to do everything they can to keep him. So when you add all those things together, I mean, who's how much availability of quality free agents is there going to be? I don't know if anyone can really answer that right now because the situation has never happened before with, with the way free agency is and the way that the salary cap is going to go way up this year. Yeah, I'm not even sure if I can even offer a comment about it. Yeah. Which brings me to the draft. Yeah. And I'm not even sure I can even comment on that. <laughs> I, we do know this. Um at the moment, you have the sixth pick. Right. The lottery could change that. Sure. Or if Dell Demps decides to deal that pick or something. But at the moment, you're looking at a top six pick in the NBA draft. Right. Gosh, wouldn't it be great to to bring in a true running mate for Anthony Davis out of that draft? Yeah. I You know, I listened to yesterday's show with Mark Spears, and I really liked what he said about how, you know, this could be the way that you find that sidekick for Anthony Davis. You could find – the guy that, you know, 
who knows, it could be 19, 20 year old, somebody that's not that much younger than AD that you can pair with him for the next however many years. So, I mean, I mean, best case scenario. Yeah. That's what you find. You find like another huge um, foundation or building block for, for the core of this team and somebody that can, that you can go forward with. You know, the one thing we haven't talked about before we get to this playoff uh, picture, uh, we haven't talked about the head coach. It's hard to evaluate a head coach after having over 300 games missed due to sure. injury or illness. But uh, did you come up with any key takeaways from Alvin Gentry's first season as Pelicans head coach? I mean, first of all, for people who who see his interviews and have watched him, I'm so impressed by his demeanor, the way he handled everything this year. He's a and he's an incredibly good guy to deal with. Like he he's such a such a good such a pro the way he handles everything, and I think he's he was great for the with the media. So I mean, it was it was a pleasure working with him this year. Um, in terms of of his coaching, I thought the the end of the season was really enlightening from the standpoint of you take a bunch of guys that had no training camp, just met each other, three guys from the D League. <laughs> guys that hadn't played all season, you put them out there. And granted, they had some games where the, the lack of talent caught up to them and, and games where it, it wasn't pretty. But, I mean, for the most part, those guys adapted to the system really well. They showed that if you move the ball and you share it, that you can get some good results. They didn't have trouble scoring, even though you had like eight or nine of your top guys out. I think everyone around the league, when they saw the situation, thought, this group of guys is going to have a hard time scoring 80 points a game. I did. Yeah. But they, I mean, with a couple exceptions here or there, you know, um, they, they had no trouble scoring. And to me, like that showed a lot of, of why you can talk about the system all season of does it work? Does it not work? You know, why aren't we getting, getting X, Y, Z out of some of the key guys and why aren't we winning more games with some of the key guys? But I mean, you take that, that that jumble of players at the end of the season and and get results for them i mean i think that showed a lot and i think coach gentry even references a few times that you know some of the guys that were out needed needed to see to take note of what the players at the end of the season were doing mm -hmm. and, and hopefully that's something that they can look at next year and, and build on somebody's gonna listen to this and say yeah results are wins and they didn't come i mean you had a couple of them down the stretch but right i understand I guess I'm nodding my head to those who would say that, that that's part of the conversation and yeah. only to be fair. Um, yeah, there were positives down the stretch, the way they competed, Dante Cunningham's durability, the way the, as hard as he went. Um, but again, 30 and 52 and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, if you're talking about results of just the last 15, 16 games, I, I don't know exactly what it was. I want to say they finished maybe six and ten or something like that, but they were twenty four and forty two when Tim Frazier debuted. So it wasn't like the record was. It wasn't like they struggled at the down the stretch record wise after they were great before that. Like if anything, they did better in the last um, month or so of the season, even though it wasn't great. I agree. I'm, I'm measuring things like you, like assists per game, yeah. the way the ball moved. Defensively, it still wasn't too too pretty. Right, um, but then again, I also have to remember that the last game of the year they had seven guys available. Mm. There are other nights where they had eight. Yep. Um, all those things play into it, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, well, I've got you. We're early, early, early in the playoffs. Anything jump out at you yet, though? I mean, I think 
I'm in the same boat with a lot of people that have been honestly d disappointed so far with there's been so many blowouts and so many routes. But, I mean, the game I enjoyed the most so far was the Detroit-Cleveland game, which was that was probably the most well-played game of, of the playoffs so far. And Cleveland played really well and still, you know, had to kind of hang out the at the end to beat Detroit. So I, I, I like that first game. We'll see if that's the way that series plays out or if Cleveland kind of says, okay, you've, that's that's enough from you. We're swat. We're gonna swat you away the last rest of the series. I don't know. But um, I mean, I like Detroit a lot. I, I like where they're headed as a team for sure. But um, overall, I think it's been been um, uh, you know, a lot of one-sided games. Although, da after everyone dismissed Dallas, including me, after they lost by forty or so in game one, they came back and won last night. So, I think there's a lesson. There is a little bit of a lesson there that. Sometimes, you know, as they have overreaction Monday to week one in the NFL, sometimes there's some major overreaction to game one of the playoffs. Oh, we NBA. did it yesterday. Yeah. We sure did. <laughs> um, I still think Dallas is done, but yes, it was yeah. entertaining. Sure. And uh, I did see, like to see the Toronto bounce back last night. Right. Alan Shunas of all people. Yeah. Okay. He's been a beast in the first couple know, of games. If I he know. can just stay out of foul trouble. Yeah. He's uh he's pretty tough. And you mentioned Detroit. That's a that was a very expensive game for Stan Van Gundy too, by the way. <laughs> you know, I knew I I was watching the game live, and I knew when he did gave that that in game interview that that was going to cost him some money to say that LeBron can do whatever he wants and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's not one that you can really pull back when you say it live on national TV. Yes. <laughs> I still have Miami as my sneaky pick in the East, by the way. I'm yeah. Holding to that, and they backed me up by embarrassing charlotte the other night they looked again only one game they but, looked really good yeah. but they're they're that's a classic example of what i was saying about not reading into too much into one game i think we'll see if if charlotte can back me up on that but i mean those two teams had the same record in the regular season there's no no way you could say that miami was like significantly better than the hornets over the course of the year so but we'll see if the if the if charlotte can come back in the next game and, and be way more competitive than they were in game one it just really chaps my butt that Houston's in yeah they're gonna get knocked out here quickly but when you think about what could have been for the Pelicans with health mm. yeah look at that Houston outfit we I were, don't know I'm showing my Rockets <laughs> disdain right now you know but. we were just talking about this earlier off the air that it's just them in the playoffs it just seems pointless it's like they don't seem like they're mentally into it it seems like they're their effort, especially on defense. Uh, granted, Golden State can make everyone, a lot of teams look bad on defense, but I, I, I wanted Utah to get in just because I wanted to see some, you know, some fresh blood and and somebody that I think would have. I mean, they probably also would have gotten, you know, handily beaten by Golden State, but I, I wanted to see Utah in the playoffs, and and yeah, it's it just it does seem like it's it's some I don't know pointless is too strong of a word, but. I'm I'm watching that game last night and I'm just like, why are we here? Why yeah. are we, why are we doing this? Uh, it doesn't uh, seem like there's really much of a point to it. I'm getting my blood pressure up. <laughs> All right, so Jim and I seem to be in agreement that uh, the favorites will win in the West in round one, and we might have a surprise or two in the East. Fair? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to it's still hard to see somebody to me beating Cleveland, but but maybe Miami could beat them down the road. But I still think it's too early to even assume that 
for example, that Miami's going to win round one or some of these other series are going to end up a certain way yeah. after only one game. I understand. So, but it's fun to speculate. It is. It's fun to project, you know, a month down the road before we really know too much more than just what happened in the first game. Agreed. Good work this season, my friend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed uh, working with you. I enjoyed the tweets. And uh, just let's just hope next year turns out a little better. I need to tweet like you, though. I'm not good at it. Well, you know, it's funny. I talk to you guys in TV a lot about tweeting in-game. I have no idea how you guys – like, for me, I'm just sitting there at a, at a computer watching the game, obviously, but I don't have a broadcast. So I can understand, like, why you guys in TV don't tweet during the game. Like, I, I can't even fathom trying to do a broadcast and tweet at the same time. So, I mean, maybe halftime. Maybe. For, for for my job, it's I think it's a million times easier for me to tweet because I don't have to update people on every everything that's going on in the game and so on and so forth like you guys do. True. So appreciate that. <laughs> All right, I'll leave you with Daniel next time on Tuesday. Excellent. Um, I enjoyed this though. You know? Yes. You know, I hope I hope Daniel doesn't get too um, upset or too jealous about this, but this was a this was just as good of a Tuesday as as what we usually have. So. Good good note to end on, Jim. Way to go. <laughs> He's wincing over That's there. That's right. Jim's running for office after Black and Blue Report goes on hiatus. That's for sure. Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. He is a great follow, and you need to stay with him as the offseason progresses. Uh, it'll be an important one here for the Pelicans, no doubt, um, obviously, to try and get back on track after this bump in the road, or should I say New Orleans-sized pothole in the road this past season. Uh, but uh, Jen will be at pelicans.com and then of course we will have him back regularly as uh, the situation renews itself we'll take a break and we'll continue here on this Tuesday in just a moment life is busy you need health care that can keep up at auctioner we get that so we've made our care more schedule friendly like offering same day appointments Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy text alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Hey, let's continue our NFL Draft Preview Series. We're up to pick number five now in the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. That means that Mark Long from the AP, he covers the Jaguars, is kind enough to join us 
on this Tuesday. Mark, good to talk to you again. How are things over in Jacksonville these days? Well, things could be better, obviously, when you've uh, when you've lost the year twelve and thirty six over the last three years. It's uh, it's been great, that's for sure. But there's optimism. They got a lot of hope in Jacksonville. They they really feel like uh, they're headed in the right direction. They think they've got their quarterback, which is everybody knows is key in the NFL, and, and they've got a, the potential on offense to be a pretty potent unit. So if they can get this defense straightened out, and that's supposed to be Gus Bradley's forte, and it just hasn't happened yet. But if they can get this defense worked out, they, they really feel like brighter days are ahead. Yeah, you're right. You, they've spent some time on the offensive side of the football the last couple of years. Uh, offensive line in 2013, I know that you know Justin Blackman didn't work out, but you mentioned Bortles, and, and certainly everybody should be excited about that over there. So let's talk about defense and what General Manager Dave Caldwell might do here. Uh, any thoughts or any idea of what the Jags could be looking for at number five? Well, yeah, it'll definitely be defense. I don't think there's any question about that, unless maybe for some reason a, a Laramie Tunzel was to fall, the Ole Miss left tackle. But, uh, you know, there, he could go in a number of ways. If Jalen Ramsey there is there, the Florida State cornerback safety, I think that's kind of a slam dunk because that's a position of need. Uh, but if not, I think he takes between, you know, it'll be a UCLA linebacker, Miles Jack, Ohio State defensive end Joey Bosa, or maybe Oregon defensive end Jeffers Buckner. Any of those five guys, I think, would would step in and be a day one starter for the Jags, and uh, and certainly a guy they can build around on the defensive side of the ball. Are, are we finally away from? And this is mostly from the outside, Mark. And that is, are we finally away from Jacksonville feeling the need to draft regionally popular guys to bolster their home attendance? I know we mentioned Jalen Ramsey. But I think it's only a coincidence that he played at Florida State. Are we kind of past that now? Yeah, I, I don't. I think that they've they've learned that there's really no direct correlation there. It may maybe a slight bump initially, but not like anything significant. It would have to be like a Tim Tebow type guy, a guy who's who's pretty transcendent in terms of you know his popularity and has a really wide draw. But uh, nobody, there's nobody out there. These days, like that, I think you draft the best player, and then you hope to to get them, you know, make them popular based on their play. And that's kind of what they've done with Blake Bortles. Nobody knew who Blake Bortles was coming out of UCF two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, the guy throws uh, 35 or whatever, 34, 35 touchdown passes last year, and all of a sudden he's franchise savior, and people love him, and his jersey sales are off the chart, and uh, you know he's the face of the franchise. So that's what they're. That's kind of where they're at now. Draft good players, talented guys, and then everything else will fall into place. That might make my next my next question moot. But you know, the three guys that you mentioned, those defensive players, Ramsey, Bosa, Jack, to uh, the linebacker from UCLA. Uh, does it matter which one, in your eyes, uh, are all those uh, equal positions of need, and you're just looking for best player available, or or is there one position group that maybe has a bigger need than the other? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, when you look at it on paper, defensive end is a huge, huge issue for the Jags. They went out and they tried to get Olivier Vernon from the Dolphins in free agency. They got outbid by the Giants. They, then they went and tried to get Robert Ayers, who left the Giants, and they got outbid by Tampa Bay. So they did not sign a defensive end, uh, a pass rushing defensive end, in free agency. They went out and got defensive tackle Malik Jackson out of Denver and paid him – you know, paid him a truckload of money 
to get him, but uh, they, they just didn't get that real dynamic pass rusher. So, with that said, last year they drafted Dante Fowler third overall, kid out of Florida, defensive end, and they think he's going to be fine, but he also tore his ACL right. uh, in the first hour of rookie minicamp last year and missed the whole season. So they don't know what they've got with him, and he's coming off an ACL injury, but they don't have anybody else around him. And so I know they'd love to add a defense, another defense in, another pass rusher. You can't have enough of those guys the way it is, the way the NFL is set up today. So when you look at it, that's probably the biggest need. Um, and then Miles Jack, obviously, you know, this is a team that's they don't have a lot of speed at linebacker outside of Kelvin Smith. And, you know, Paul Pozzi, I think, is entering his 12th year at middle linebacker. Uh, he's a guy they like, and they think they can get, you know, squeezing every little bit of juice out of him. They think they can get one more year. But, you know, Miles Jack's a guy who would fill right there in the middle, uh, spend one year behind pause and then and then probably take over the starting job so and then play outside in year one uh so that's that's to me it's a defensive end if not the linebacker ramsey would be the best player available if he's there at five mm -hmm. and that's why you got to put him in there because he probably would fall into that best player available but i think they still go uh need and the need the bigger need are pass rushers than a linebacker it's going to be interesting to see what we have there at five. Mark Long from the AP is with us. Hey, Mark, um, you know, we've already seen the Titans deal their top overall pick. There's uh, talk today that the Browns may be shopping the number two pick. Um, do the Jags stay here at number five, or do they move around a little bit or, or come to some deal to bolster what they have in later rounds? I think if they could if they could trade out and not trade too far down in the first round. Uh, it's, there's some talent there in the first round, especially in the upper 15 spot. Uh, so I think that if they, if somebody really wanted to come up and get a quarterback or come up and, and find somebody that, you know, they coveted, I think the Jags would be willing to move back, but not a ton, just mm. a little bit. Uh, but they kind of said that every year and they've yet to move back in Dave Caldwell three years, uh, in his three previous drafts. So, uh, my guess is, you know, especially with the movement ahead of them, that they'll just stay put and draft, uh, one of the guys, one of their need positions. And, and the reality is, they need talent more than anything on this team. And, you know, in theory, the most, the better talent at the top of the draft. Mark, great stuff as always. If, if any of our listeners want to follow you uh, as you cover what the Jags are going to do next week to kind of get an idea of what, you know, what's going to be there for the Saints at 12, uh, can they do so on Twitter? Are you, are you there? Yeah, absolutely. At, uh, at AP, as in Associated Press, at AP Mark Long. Perfect. Easy great enough. Stuff. Mark, good to talk to you. I hope better okay. days are ahead for the Jags, and uh, I'll be I'll be curious to see what you all do next week. I think that's a pivotal spot in the draft, right there at five and six. It'll help determine. Yeah, no doubt, yeah, no doubt about yeah, it. I agree. I agree. Hey, have a great week, Mark, and we'll uh, we'll look you. for your coverage next week. Take care, guys. You too. Thanks. Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face -face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us, here to build a future with you. 
How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. All right, time to wrap up today's Black and Blue Report and for me to head back out in the world and get a bunch of abuse from Chicago Cubs fans here on this Tuesday. Um, hopefully I'll be returning the favor tomorrow. <laughs> it's amazing. We've got the, you know, for a guy like me who's from St. Louis, they have the Cubs versus the Cardinals right now and the Blackhawks versus the Blues. Well, you get the idea. Anyway, with that being said, we'll look forward to tomorrow. On Wednesday, we'll talk the Baltimore Ravens pick at number six with Garrett Downing from Ravens Digital Media. We're getting closer and closer to the draft. Uh, let's see, a week from Thursday. And then NBA playoff discussion tomorrow with Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Dallas Mavericks, who, again, are coming off of a big win last night. A good bounce back win there, even in their series with Oklahoma City at 1 1. We'll talk to him about that series and other goings on in the Western Conference. Our thanks today to our guests, Jim Eichenhofer, and of course, uh, Mark Long to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. We bid you adieu on this Tuesday. Enjoy it thoroughly, I hope, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.